Hey everyone, this is Jason from the WDND Roleplay Radio Podcast. Just giving you a short bit about my book that I've written called Broken Circle. Now, Broken Circle is a fiction novel and follows the lives of three friends from college that have reunited after graduation. Uh, you have Corey, who is a wealthy heir to a real estate fortune. Uh, he's trying to escape his family's expectations. You have Jelaine, who is a television executive. She's working working her way up to the top. Uh, she has a bit of a secret that no one knows about. And there's also Tim, who is a football player, who's, he's attempting a comeback. There's a lot of twists and turns in this book. If you like soap operas or dramas like that, you'll enjoy this book. There's also a whole list of other characters that you'll find very interesting. And there is, of course, the soap twist. So you never know what's going to happen. So please check this book out. It's called Broken Circle by me, Jason Jose. And you can find it on Amazon. You can also find it on Barnes and Noble website. You can get it uh, digital, you can download it through Kindle, or you can get a paperback copy. So check it out, Broken Circle. Now is the time for the enthusiastic return of the WDND Roleplay Radio Podcast. My name is Cliff. Hey, and this is Jason, and we'll be your host for a discussion of all things role-playing games and the occasional tangents into other areas of Greek culture. Greek. I keep saying when I say Greek, it's geek culture. Could be well, Greek. But it hey. could be. We started up this podcast as a pet project and put our first couple of script ideas together in the summer of 2022. We recorded our first couple of episodes and tried to stick to a weekly schedule, but things went off the rails when I had a major health complication. I've had a significant hiatus over the last few months, and while I've been recovering from surgery related to a cancer diagnosis, things seem to be going in the right direction now, and we've come back, put our heads together, and forged forward with some new content, and hopefully we won't hit any future snags that'll stop us from creating new content. Yes, I'm glad to have you back. Glad things are getting better. Uh, so Thank you. let's get into it with a recap of recent D&D news. Of course, there was a 1D&D update that was released on December 22nd, uh, which went into issues with clerics, some updates with that, and some revised spells. Um, now, we also had the much-debated OGL leak, so we'll speak on that in a moment. But I just wanted to touch on the update, uh, which I found to be a step in the right direction. Um, they have gotten into as far as codifying things that they hadn't codified before. They have different types of actions now. I particularly like the influence action in particular. It just puts everything into one type of action. Either you're intimidating, either you're persuading or whatever the case may be they have different you're hostile you if you're talking to someone who's hostile or talking to someone who's indifferent for what you're requesting or someone who's friendly there's different dcs that are involved in that so that 
kind of works. And it also makes the players have to, you know, verbalize, you know, what are you saying? You know, given the opportunity to, you know, role play it out. Which, which is fine. <laughs> you might get some bonuses to that if you do. But no. if you don't, those people who you know, don't do the whole role play aspect as far as talking, then that's fine too. They, you know, just plenty of mechanic to just make a role and see how it works. And the cleric options have more customization. I do like that a lot. Um, they do have some other things. Not my cup of tea, you know, the Ardling species, you know, since race is triggering or whatever, they call it species now, that's fine. I guess it's a nod to the love of furry or anthropomorphic PCs and all that kind of stuff. It's not, like I said, it's not my cup of tea, but to each their own. And there's been some <laughs> interesting reactions to that update as well as the OGL. Well, we're still talking about the one D and D update back from December, and a lot of that had been a reaction to those surveys that went out uh, about some of the original one D and D update. And the reaction videos that I've seen people posting, it's it's kind of a situation where the vocal portion of the gaming community is really the ones that are taking the stage. And mm-hmm. this is a classic example of the squeaky wheel getting the grease. This is where only people that are going to be part of the conversation are the ones that are filling out the surveys. And whereas a lot of the community might be happy to get the rules and then modify it for their personal table, which honestly you wind up doing with almost every game that you're going to play to some degree. There's always going to be something that you want to tweak. And if you don't, if you're totally a by-the-book player, that's fine. More power to you. I just don't think that a bunch of people designing a game are going to be able to create rules that fit every possible scenario. And if they spend so much time designing the game to make it warm and fuzzy, I think there's wasting time that could be spent making the game more mechanically sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, some of, some of these changes, uh, I love the addition of more actions. Uh, the cleric options, you know, if you've got a war cleric of Horus and a war cleric of Thor, they should still have some options that let you flavor them a little bit more from each other so so that every war cleric won't just be a, a carbon copy of each other. And and I like things like that, that that let you stylize your gameplay, even if you've got two people playing the same subclass. That is really nice. I, I, I like that they've added stuff like that. And uh, something else I want to highlight, you, you, you brought up the Ardling. And mm-hmm. how they're they're moving away from the term race and using the term species. Well, species is I, I think it's it's imprecise to label the the different uh, types of biological entities. Hear me be as uh, unassuming as possible by saying it like that. In the player that the players can pick from in D and D by calling them species, because a hallmark of the different species is that uh, they they can't interbreed. I think so. Yeah. If that's the case, <laughs> uh, humans, orcs, and elves uh, should not be different species. And if they are, then half orcs and half elves, you got some splaining to do. <laughs> so I, something I saw flowing around on, uh, I believe it was Reddit or, or one of the other message boards I looked at, was somebody used the term lineage, which I thought was an amazing direction to take that term. If, if races is triggering, species is imprecise. But lineage, that means that's where you're from. So maybe your lineage is elven. Maybe your lineage is Orc. Maybe your lineage is half orc, which means you know you've got two different species that you have traits of. 
And since eventually, you know, every race is going to be some melting pot where you just like roll the die and, and pick facial features to be whatever you want to be, you know, that that's probably the best way to go eventually. That's what they're going to do. Just saying. Again, everything is just them trying to throw out ideas, see what people like, see what people don't like type of thing. And to your point about the only people that are going to, you know, be heard is the ones that actually participate in the surveys and all that kind of stuff, you know, or <laughs> go on Twitter and, and complain about it too. I mean, they are looking Cancel at their subscriptions. That too. <laughs> too. Yeah. Foreshadowing what we're talking about next. Mm-hmm. So yes, we're going to get into that whole thing. The OGL leak. Oh boy. It was a issue and people were very vocal about it you know social media and everything other podcasts talked about it other you know youtube channels went off on it and to the point where they had to put out some kind of half retraction oh i thought you were gonna say half ass yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) half ass retraction to the whole thing saying you know trying to make the assurances that it's they were only trying to go after big corpse trying to you know make big money off of them but i'm not a lawyer so i don't know the legalese to that i'm not a lawyer but i play one on tv uh, (laughs) how do you so you've seen it i'm sure you've seen the the little retraction statement too so (laughs) let's look at that i think i I think one of the most telling things in the in their retraction <laughs> uh, which it wasn't really retraction it was it was them trying to let us know that we were wrong in our our reaction to it by telling us that we were totally wrong that oh and and this this is just a first draft well as jason said i'm not a lawyer mm-hmm. but i do know for a fact that if something is a draft that means it's still under you're still working on it and you don't send out contracts that you intend to be legally binding to other companies to enforce something that is just a draft. So a lot well, of they said the, it was a leak. So I don't know, you know. Oh no, no, no. The, they 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 came back and tried to say that that uh, the one point one OGL was a draft that it went out early. Nobody was supposed to see that. That that mm. was part of their their you know back you know when they were trying to back away from the edge. But they had already sent out contracts to some of the third-party publishers with a sweetheart deal. So, like the OGL 1.1, it's like uh, if you if you want to use our IP in your games, you sign away twenty percent of the twenty five percent of the profits if you make over three quarters of a million dollars. Blah 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 blah. You know, mm. without going into details, that's basically what they were saying. They okay. sent out contracts early to people to tr- try to do like sweetheart deals, kind of like an early incentive thing where that percentage was only 15%. Ooh. So that, that those contracts would have been legally binding under this thing that they're come back later and trying to say was only a draft. But like the, the biggest rub with the OGL and they're trying to make this legally enforceable document. And a lawyer, he's, he's not a gamer. He's a lawyer. He's a contract lawyer. A YouTube channel called Legal Eagle. He actually pitched in on this and because, you know, it took the internet by storm. Even things that aren't gaming related were were, had heard about it. There is a legal precedent where you cannot copyright a process or a set of rules. It's it's a federal law. 
not a federal law. It was a federal court decision. So like you can copyright the word monopoly. I'm sorry. You can trademark the name monopoly and then you can copyright the little pictures and stuff for the characters. But the way you play monopoly, the rules itself, that's not copyrightable. So D and D the process of playing D and D with six attributes and rolling a D20 and these are the skills and everything else, all the stuff that they've spent all that money publishing and putting in books, technically, when they release it in the SRD, it's like they're doing everybody a big favor. The favor they've done is putting it online and making it easily accessible to anyone. Anyone, based on that federal court ruling, can utilize it. And I mean, there there was a guy that published a book about a specific way to do to break down stuff for accounting. And he published the book and then somebody else published a second book with easier to understand charts to explain everything. And the guy that did the first book tried to sue him. And then they came back and said, you, you can't copyright a process or a set of rules on how to do something. And then mm. a, a game company came back and tried to sue. And then the, the defendant that came out with the second game referenced back to that first case and, and the lawsuit was thrown out. So like legit, it's, it's already been decided in federal court years ago. Right. So, so the, the main things that you, I guess they are, tr- the idea they're trying to convey is that if they have like copywritten creatures and stuff like that. Yeah. That. <laughs> stuff yeah and there and and that's exactly right if, if there's like specific creatures that someone can prove that they're the one that they, they created them then yeah jrr tolkien's estate needs to sue dungeons and dragons because they sure mm-hmm. shit didn't create most of the stuff that's in the book <laughs> so, I, mean, I mean like you could go through and and say oh i'm sorry this existed in folklore so no you don't own that you know it's it's just crazy well that's going to be up ongoing so we'll keep track of that and we'll report on any changes give our feedback about that but um the next topic that we're going to talk about is when you're in a role-playing situation, you are dealing with a groups of people and everybody's got their own lives. You know, they have things to do. They have families. They have, you know, all sorts of stuff. And we are going to discuss searching for and cultivating a gaming group. How to keep people that are very interested in what you're doing to keep coming back and, you know, maybe have to weed some people out that's, that's causing disruptions, things like that. But in our premiere podcast, we talked about our backgrounds and how we became part of the gaming world. So, you know, me with my friends and on my old block in New York and college, I, I got reintroduced to it and all that kind of stuff. Cliff talked about his background in North Carolina and things like that. So let's, let's talk about that, how to bring together people and how to keep them engaged and keep them coming back to play. Yeah. If, if you spend any time online looking over blogs and forum posts, uh, for contribu- or in contributions on Reddit pages, it's easy to see that a significant portion of the active DNK community is constantly complaining about how hard it is to find a group. Um, mm. And I feel for those people. I've been blessed with having a relatively consistent community based on friends that I met at a local game store. And this yep. has allowed me to have a regular pool of friends that I know and I know how they will play and what specific peculiarity they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. 
it's all too common to see a horror story online about someone bumping into a bad group. And I've had that happen too. But even the situations where I've had a bad group, I always look at the individuals at the table to see if any of them can be salvaged and then have them brought forward to another group. Right. That's definitely a good thing. Um, I've mentioned it all the time. You know, I had growing up with friends and then when I moved away, I had to build a whole new relationship with other people and things like that. And luckily for me, that happened. And this was back when, you know, we're old, so there was no internet like that. And I mean, we couldn't just, you know, say, looking for a game online, send out a little post or something. We had to go to places where the games were sold, comic book stores primarily, and just look around. Hopefully someone has a post or a little note on the bulletin board saying they're looking for a game and, you know, Take it from there. It's a. It was very difficult back in, in those days to find a, a group of people that you know are consistent enough to play with. And we're in an area that is very uh, transient because it is a military town. So we had a lot of people in the navy that were gamers and stuff. And then when they got out of the navy, they went back home. So you know that's that. But you yeah, know, just that's one of the main things that I want to discuss as far as how now how do we keep that situation together well i mean you can't you can't really fight stuff like that i mean uh real life complications can pull people away from a gaming table change mm -hmm. in schedule change in uh, employment yep. uh, their, their family life might change you know i mean i had much more time for gaming before my kids were born and then for right. the last 15 years or so it, it's been kind of touch and go when i would actually have time to game so but now that the kids are older and I can kind of, you know, I don't, I don't have to be there to quarterback them through so much of their life. I have, I have more free time to spend pursuing what dad wants to do. And, right. and you know, that's, that's kind of part of life. But, you know, get, getting back to what I said before, um, there's, there's times when bad things can happen at the table. And the, the biggest way that I've ever seen to make sure that you've got a good gaming group is just looking at the people around you and cultivating those relationships. Back in the day, it was it was conversation at the table, trading phone numbers, mm -hmm. and and you know staying connected. Now these right. days, well, going out to dinner and stuff, you know, yeah, after the stuff, game, exactly, game movies and whatnot, yeah, right. You know, it, turning turning the gaming group into a group of friends, not just people that game together. You know, right. And so I, I've read a perfect example on Reddit recently. Um, it was a user by the name of Table. 1029 they posted mm -hmm. that uh, a fellow player threatened them with violence and that devolved Ooh. into active pvp at the table after they found out about their political views. so oh, wow. mm -hmm. the, the person that posted this had met a group at a local game store and they were having fun for a while and then they were out having a smoke they were having an out of character conversation and one of the other players the one that's the antagonist of the story found out that the original poster had opposing political views so the mm -hmm. asshole of the story starts being antagonistic in character. And the GM oh. was a total asshat and a friend of the antagonist. They let it go. Mm -hmm. And then the original poster left the group. So, I mean, that that's a horrible situation and, and well-deserving of a horror story on the internet. But a classic D&D &D group has four people. So, and then you only two people in this situation that were wearing a black hat is the game master and this other player that was butthurt because of politics. So what about these other two people that you were having fun with until politics reared its ugly head in the middle of the game? Exactly. So if you had a good relationship with these other two players, plus 
two other players, that's that's most of the people that you need to play. I mean, that's where you should be shooting for. I, I, I think right. people they they get so tied up with looking for a group, they they should you know be more ready to make a group. And if you if you've got friends that play or friends that are likely to enjoy playing, you're already halfway there. Right. Right. And ugh, I mean, politics. Yeah, we've we've had we have people who have different views on things and we have done our level best to not let that deter the game. Everybody knows where everybody stands. I mean, that helps because we've been around each other for like 20 some odd years. So we know what they what they're about. Um, but even when it's a new situation, the GM's res- responsibility is to make sure everybody is enjoying the game, make sure nobody feels some kind of way, threatened or whatever the case may be. That's up to you, uh, friend or not. You That GM should have put his foot down and said, look, we are not going to discuss any politics we're not going to bring it up in the game if you are going to be doing that then you can go and say the same thing to his friends that you can we'll we'll talk later but you got to go type of situation so i luckily haven't had that where it's ugly head well i mean maybe once or twice but it wasn't that bad to the point where somebody felt that they had to leave now there's some other things that might have happened <laughs> that caused someone to leave the game but it was in my opinion, it couldn't be helped because it was called outside interference. And I hate to say it, but it was his significant other that wasn't a part of the game, but just hung out, which was fine, you know, and then, but it was just its sense of that person inserting themselves into the conversation of the game, but you're not playing or bringing up other topics to disrupt from the game, things like that. And I had to have a conversation with him and say, look, you know, we love having you here, but is it possible not to bring her along because she's a disruption? And he, you know, said, okay, but he never came back. So, and I never saw him again. So that's, you know, a type of situation that can happen. That is pretty crazy. I mean, and something like that can, can really derail a good campaign. You know, if, if you lose somebody that was kind of critical to something, it's it's good to as good as a GM to have several irons in the fire uh, when when you're running a campaign, you know it's it's okay for uh, one character to occasionally take center stage, m- maybe have something about your current plot hook that that has two of the players in it. But man, I, I can only imagine if that situation you just talked about happened in the middle of a campaign where like maybe that character was a paladin or that character was a wizard and they were they mm-hmm. were on a mission for the church or they were on a mission for the wizards wizards college or the thieves guild and the thief wizard paladin leaves the game right in the middle right. of that that story arc man that would be bad retconning to do yeah there's <laughs> some serious retconning to do and and something like that as a gm can can totally take the wind out of your sails and personally with my recent health issues it's really taken a lot of the wind out of my sails when it comes to a lot of things not just gaming but this mm-hmm. this brush with cancer affected my appetite it affected the foods and drinks that i enjoy and uh, I'm talking about health issues, but a lot of things can happen in your life that causes your enjoyment for playing and running a game to be affected, regardless of where it comes from. And what you're looking at is burnout. And yeah. burnout can happen to players, GMs, and you know, in those types of situations, sometimes it'll, yeah, it'll cause you to turn away from the hobby. But maybe what you need to do inside the hobby is change things up a little bit. 
Um, and right. you can do that pretty simply by switching who the DM is, maybe rotate out whoever is the perma GM for a little bit. If you're the mm-hmm. DM and, and you're getting burned out, that's pretty much required to give you time, time to build up steam again to run. But if your group of friends doesn't have someone else that's prepared to wear the DM hat, then another step could be simply to change up what you're playing so that you can play the same system or maybe change up the genre a little bit, possibly change right. up the setting. If you're stuck in a rut, maybe everybody's been playing Forgotten Realms. Why don't you give that uh, crazy wannabe steampunk setting uh, a chance? <laughs> you know, go play some Eberron. Why don't you pick up some old third and second edition books? Uh, you know, right. read read some of that stuff. Maybe maybe it's time to go explore Dark Sun. You know, which hasn't been published for fifth edition, crossing my fingers yet, and find <laughs> something that'll inspire you. And sometimes that might even mean stepping away from D and D and trying a different seat, set of rules. There have been many times when I've taken a break from Dungeons and Dragons and moved to the Palladium system for the game Rifts, which I love so much, or one of my original favorite superhero role playing games, which I played many many times over the years, and uh, our current Saturday night game, which I was running. I stepped away from because of my health issues and my co-conspirator here, Jason has stepped in and he's running a superhero game for us on Saturday. So that yeah. that's kind of how that works. And I was definitely happy to step in to have some, you know, continuity and going the group that we have is pretty, you know, open to change. And that's always a good thing. That's on the strength of years of both of us, you know, cultivating a good rapport with the group that they know, that we will always deliver a great game. So that's one of the key, you know, aspects you have to have, you know, reputation is, is good. Yeah, it is. He runs a good game. Let's try this. You know, even if it's something that they may not have been interested in before a genre, a different type of game, things like I've had people say, I don't want to do X, Y, Z. I said, well, just try it and see how you like it. And they got into it and they, they dug it. So you never you still know. get the holdouts though. You know, people that mm-hmm. like I you know, all I play is fantasy role playing games. I refuse to step yes. away from anything like that. And yes, right. I'm talking about you. You know who you are. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he played Star Wars, that was close enough. <laughs> oh, you know, well, I totally missed out on that. Mm-hmm. He played Star, but it was it was the same the three point five system, so he didn't have to learn too much okay. more. So I think that helped. <laughs> But yeah, it's, um, I think branching out is fun. Um, you know, we've got a couple of different games that we're interested in seeing how they work. Uh, there's a new set of rules for Marvel that, uh, there's a play test out for that. Jason Mm -hmm. has a book for GI Joe, which is is based on a role. It's a role 20 system. I'm sorry. It's a D20 system, uh, sort of. It's, yeah, it's it's got some it's got its own set of rules. alternate <laughs> stuff, but it, it uses a D20, and it kind of has some fifth edition feel to it with the way the classes are structured, with the leveling mm-hmm. and stuff. But it's it's definitely got some interesting tweaks, and and that same game, the mechanics looks like they were used for Transformers. So yeah, you know, exactly the same. The, the people who made that made trans. So Hasbro gave them the the license, and they said, "Okay, yeah." <laughs> so I mean, it's not it's not like Hasbro said, "Oh, you you uh, you create the most popular role playing game in the entire world." So we're going to show our absolute faith in you, and we're going to give our other IPs to a different company. It's it's not like Hasbro did that at all. Maybe they did. I don't know, but yeah, uh, <laughs> they kind of did. <laughs> 
You got anything else you want to throw out there, Jason? Um, well, like I said, keep tuning in. We're going to now get back to a more regular schedule. So just keep checking us out. This is how we do. <laughs> we talk gaming stuff and we'd love to hear your comments and just let us know how you feel about the topics that we were discussing today we're at on twitter at wdnd podcast spelled out and also our email which is wdndpodcast at gmail.com so just let us know what you think and we uh, look forward to hearing from you uh, we thank you for turning into the wdnd roleplay radio podcast if you like what we're saying please hit like and describe and uh, hit that notification bell feel free to reach out to us share your ideas and become part of this conversation all right from everybody here at wdnd radio thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time <laughs>